Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Flight Deck Podcast, episode number 33. This is your boy CK along with Mr. Omari Brown, Mr. Matthew Free. What's up, fellas? What's up, what's up, what's going on? We are another step closer, another week closer to opening day. I'm ready to go. What's going on? Glad to be back. Missed last week, but, uh, you know, in missing last week, it brings us one week closer to the start of the season. Plenty to talk about. Excited to be back. Man, um, the excitement has, has, has finally, well, you know, we, we reached that, that point, man. Um, but today was probably the most exciting day outside of the draft of the offseason. Because we now know who our 53 guys will be. Um, yeah, man, I'm, 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 I'm really excited about, you know, what they put together. There was a couple of surprises, uh, you know, some, some moves that weren't surprises. I don't think there was any big question marks about what they did, but yeah, I'm ready to get into it, man. So, Amari, why don't you, uh, start us off? Yeah, for sure. So um, when you guys are hearing this, will be September 2nd, but the cut down deadline was August 31st for teams to get down to 53 and the Jets made a, a, a bunch of a bunch of moves. So I think we just want to start talking about we're going to start with the offense and, and then we'll just get through who who were some surprising cuts. And to be honest, guys, uh, I don't know. We will let's just start at the quarterback position. Another one surprising thing, because it's been a narrative throughout the entire offseason, or especially since after the draft, the Jets seem super comfortable with not having a veteran backup. So the Jets cut Josh Johnson and they cut James Morgan. Josh Johnson was relegated to the practice squad, but it seems like they're going to run with Mike White as the as the main backup to Zach Wilson. So I thought that that was still surprising, especially with some of the veterans that were cut over 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 cut down days so uh, uh matt what did you take away from that they must really feel comfortable with mike white because i mean honestly i don't think there was really an excuse i don't even think josh johnson was a viable veteran backup if i'm being honest the dude's kind of been on i believe 13 nfl rosters in his career so i don't even think that they had a viable backup option to really go after as far as you know free agents are concerned or they maybe just missed the boat on some of them but I mean, if we're being honest, uh, I would be very concerned about that backup position. I, I would see if there's any veterans that get cut, you know, closer towards the uh, start of the season, because I don't think, you know, there's going to you, you can't have an excuse. God forbid something happens to Zach. I mean, we all know Zach's going to be the starter and we hope that he plays 17 games. But, you know, the offensive line is going to need to, you know, really be working in sync from day one in order to make sure that Wilson's on his feet and able to play all 17 of those games. So, um, you know, the James Morgan cut was a little bit, you know, confusing, but I guess this is kind of an admission for Joe Douglas that maybe he made a mistake or, you know, I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure we'll get a little bit deeper into that, but yeah, I, I, I guess they feel comfortable with Mike White, but you know, if I was the GM, I'd, I'd be searching long and hard to find someone else to, to bring in just to, uh, have as a viable backup option? Well, for me, man, you know, the, the name that popped up a lot all off season was Nick Foles. Um, and we went back and forth on him numerous times. But one guy that I was talking about earlier was uh, Mullen. And um, he got released, and we didn't hear a peep about 
Joe Douglas going after him. And, you know, one would think it with his familiarity with uh, LaFleur and with Salah, like that would be, you know, a home run, but it didn't come to pass. So obviously, Mike White has really shown them something that they feel so comfortable with going into the season with. I also think that maybe they feel like, hell, if that goes down, it ain't going to matter anyway. So we might as well use that spot for, you know, someone else to see someone else rather than carrying a third quarterback or whatever. But, you know, the James White, uh, James Morgan thing, uh, like you said, Matt, maybe he is and then he messed up. Like, Amara said he messed up the day he drafted. And he has really, you know, proven that to be true. Um, he's cutting, he's cutting bait, man. He's, he's cutting his losses. He's accepting and he's moving on. And I, I kind of, you know, I respect that more than anything because it's all about the team. He's not just keeping him around just for the sake of I drafted him. He's letting him go because he's not working for the team. So yeah, big time to JD for that. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll after we after we get on the offense, we'll we'll talk about the the twenty twenty draft class as, as a whole, um, and put a little bit of perspective on it. And I'm sure we all probably have three different views on that as well, too. Um, I mean, I just thought it was really surprising. I thought it was it was okay for me to have the Zach Wilson being or not having any veteran presence for Zach Wilson because you wanted him to get all the first team reps because it I mean, it was pretty much known, widely known across the board that Trevor Lawrence was going to start day one and Zach Wilson was going to start day one for the Jaguars and the Jets, respectively. So at this point now, I thought that Nick Mullins, especially after looking decent, I heard, in the joint practices, I thought Nick Mullins was definitely going to be the guy. And I thought Mike White was going to get cut. I never saw James Morgan as a part of this team's future. So, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll table that. Um, four running backs made the roster. Uh, as you all know, that there were five running backs that we all pretty much like. So the guys that made the roster were Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, and LaMichael P. Ryan. Josh, Josh Adams was cut, but then relegated to the practice squad. Um, did that did that surprise any of you? No. Uh, I think that, you know, since the beginning, even before the roster cuts, we all agreed that there was going to be four running backs carried on this team. And I think these are the four that we – thought were going to be. I mean, Michael Carter had a spot no matter what, obviously. LaMichael Piron, I think, to an extent, you know, Joe Douglas has kind of a little bit of loyalty to because of his he's one of his draft picks. Ty Johnson has just been a bowling ball, you know. Yeah, I think Ty Johnson is the best running back of this Yeah, he's right, the most right complete back in the in – Today, the, yeah. You know, without a doubt. And Tevin Coleman, familiarity with systems. So, I mean, it was inevitable that Josh Adams was going to be the odd man out. But I believe he was on the practice squad last year, too. So, I mean, to be fair, he's – I've never seen him have a bad bad run in a game ever, you know, playing for us. So, hopefully – I mean, not hopefully, but maybe he gets a chance throughout the season if he's not poached by another team because I think he's more than capable of being a, you know, a first, second down back for, for another team. Well, yeah, 100%. And also, I think Josh Adams um, – I, he looked good in that Eagles game, but, you know, let's be real, it was third and fourth stringers. But the thing that we hold our hat on is that Josh Adams looks really good at – multiple different times and points of last season, especially against that Raiders game. I think that was his uh, coming out party along with Ty Johnson. Uh, any surprises, TK, on the running backs? No, nah, I mean, you know, we had already said it was going to be him. I thought maybe that sentiment would have changed you know, the last couple of weeks because he looked a lot better than uh, with Michael Perry, P. Ryan. Um, 
and he said he's healthier than than Le Michael too. So I kind of right now I think they got it wrong. Like I honestly would would have put Le Michael on the practice squad and put Josh Adams on the fifty three. Um, he's the biggest back we got, you know, and and he can run both inside and outside with with power. Like I watched this kid in Notre Dame, you know, I, I was like him ever since. But um, yeah, I, I think they they got it wrong. I'm not surprised, but I, I would have went, you know, a different direction. Yeah, I understand that, and 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 the Michael Piron is hurt again, and the, I don't think anybody's seen the Michael Piron not even at practice. I believe Connor Hughes was saying for the last two weeks, so. Um, I mean, that's that, that's going to be another issue as well, too. So that, that's definitely a narrative with this 2020 class. And we're going to get into that after we go through the entire offense. Next up, seven wide receivers. Yes, you guys heard that. Seven wide receivers have made the team right now. So obviously, the, the usual suspects, Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, Keelan Cole, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, Denzo Mims, Jeff Smith. Um, I'll tell you who was a surprise for me, and it's probably a surprise for the rest of you. Vincent Smith was cut. Uh, he was added to the practice squad, but Vincent Smith is, he was running with the twos consistently and he was getting some times with the ones. Vincent Smith is 6'3". He, he has some speed on the outside. And Jeff Smith, uh, to me, Jeff Smith is just basically Elijah Moore, is, is basically the, the, the great value version of Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios. Now, granted, he probably gives you some, some flexibility on special teams, but Vincent Smith was playing special teams as well. I believe he was on He's a punt team gunner, and he was on kickoff and kick return. So that kind of surprised me as well. Um, TK, did that surprise you? Actually, yeah, man. Like, we, we knew who the six, the first six were. Yeah, the top six, I, would, I, I mean, that, that was easy. Like, I, you know, we could go a week, whatever. You know, I did the whole Power Rangers, you know, thing off of what Keenan Cole said from um, uh, One Just Drive. So we knew who the six were. I just honestly thought Vincent outplayed everybody else. It would be that number seven receiver. Um, so yeah, that 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 kind of threw me off. Um, I'm glad he's on the practice squad. I, I could I could see them, you know, bringing him up at some point and taking Jeff down, or, or you know, I just thought he was, he just played better than Jeff. And he was, like you said, Amari, six three, he can run, he can great wingspan, can high point the ball. I just thought he fit better. I mean, we got three smallest wide receivers already. You know, with Crowder, Moore, Barrios. I, I I figure they go with size to help foster those uh, matchup situations. Yeah, because Corey Davis is the only. I mean, Denzel Mims, but he's hurt right now. Corey Davis is your only receiver over six two. So I, I mean, I just just if you're just trying to talk about versatility in that group, I think that Vincent Smith probably offers a, a little bit more. As, as far as on offense, but may, maybe they'll call out a little roll. I've seen them throw Jeff Smith a few of those those quick bubble screens and and things of that nature. Uh, Matt, what do you have on the wide receivers? Uh, I like the group. I think it's kind of who we expected. Jeff Smith, I think we kind of saw in, the, I believe it was the Packers game, it looks like they're going to have like a, a set specific plays maybe from because he did run with the ones on I think a couple you know bubble screens or something like that so maybe they just have an envisioned role for him but to your guys credit and what you guys alluded to was you know Vincent Smith in my opinion belong on this team I think he you know has flashes of being able to play you know go against you know bigger corners and so on so I you know 
I mean, we're, we're arguing about, or we're, we're discussing the number seven wide receiver. And if we're lucky, the number seven wide receiver won't really see the field very much. So, I mean, I, I feel like it's very interchangeable. Obviously you would probably like to go with more size. Cause you know, we have Jameson Crowder, Elijah Moore who are on and Braxton Barris are on the smaller side. So now we're running, you know, four wide receivers on the small side and then three guys that are a little bit bigger, but still relatively small frames. So, I mean, I, I just feel like I, me personally, I don't want to nitpick too much because that seventh wide receiver spot is probably going to be interchangeable throughout the year. They're probably going to, you know, move, move it around. You don't, you don't really know. People are going to be interchangeable. So uh, more or less, I'm happy with the group. It's who I expected. And and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm excited that we're kind of discussing the number seven wide receiver instead of discussing who the number two wide receiver is going to be. Sure. All right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's probably, it's definitely going to be interchangeable. And I think that uh, another thing that we said, that even though we said that he was running with the ones, that was because Braxton, I mean, sorry, that was because Jameson Crowder and Elijah Moore weren't playing. So that's why I didn't expect him to actually make the roster, but shout out to Jeff Smith. Hopefully Vincent Smith gets some uh, opportunities this year. All right. So with the trade of Chris Herndon to the Vikings for a fourth round pick, which is just a, uh, testament to Joe Douglas doing his job, how you got a, a, a mid-round draft pick for <laughs> a former fourth-round pick that hasn't really done much in the last um, uh, couple of seasons. Tyler Croft and Trevin Wesco are now the only two tight ends on this roster. Uh, the team cut Daniel Brown and Ryan Griffin, but they were both re-signed, and Kenny Abrola was uh, relegated to the practice squad. So Tyler Croft and Trevor Wesco are your only tight ends. This doesn't bother me at all. Um, I think uh, – I know I said it, Matt, you probably said it as well too, that Tyler Croft is probably going to be the starting tight end for this team. And throughout the offseason, he he just showed that he that he could. I mean, I think my only question I had with, for on Tyler Croft was, was he going to offer anything in the passing game? He caught both of Zach Wilson's touchdowns, so I think that they're building a pretty good rapport. I think Trevor Wesco is going to be one of my sleepers for probably Canada for most improved. I think this scheme fits him perfectly. He's a, he's a hybrid fullback. He's not going to be as good as, as Kyle Jusic, Jusic, but he's going to be you know a poor man's Kyle Jusic, and I think that we'll all take that as well too. I think that he's going to be the fullback that – on play action, he's going to hit the flats, and I think he's going to be the primary checkdowns whenever they're in twenty-one personnel. And I think that you can also you can um, you can motion into some twelve personnel as well too, and throw the defense off a little bit. So I actually like both of those being your tight ends. Uh, what do you guys got for the tight end spot, Matt? Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, I think we already called Tyler Croft was going to be the starter. Herndon just kind of looked lost on the field almost at all points. He, I know Joe Douglas in his presser today said he thought he was having a good camp, but you don't trade a guy that you think was really having a good camp, which makes it even more surprising that he got a fourth rounder for him, if I'm being honest. But I think the biggest, you know, thing that people are kind of concerned about, you know, throughout the fan base and, and so on is that we've seen how the tight ends are used in the Shanahan system, you know, in the past couple of years with George Kittle and his, you know, emergence as being a top three, top two tight end in the NFL. So people are like, okay, we want a name, you know what I mean? We want someone to really take the reins for that number one tight end spot. And to Tyler Croft's credit, he, he performed throughout the preseason. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to make some astronomical leap, but listen, he was the, uh, he was a top blocker in the NFL at the tight end position. And, and realistically, we already have kind of discussed that we're going to be leaning, especially with a young quarterback, we're going to be leading on the run game a lot. So we're going to need inline blockers, guys that can, you know, you could put them on both ends of the offensive line and, and run single back and, and be fine. 
So, I mean, Trevor Wesco also last year was, it was a big blocking, uh, you know, tight end slash hybrid FB, HB, whatever you want to call them. So I guess they kept the two guys that they think are going to really accentuate the actual running game rather than the receiving game. Cause I think that they do feel that they're deep at the wide receiver position, but um, bringing back the two guys, Ryan Griffin and, uh, and uh, Daniel Brown is also good, but I mean, Honestly, this team is devoid of a tight end, and we've been devoid of a tight end for or a receiving threat, I should say, at tight end since, I guess, Dustin Keller. So, I mean, I think that's something that you'd have to address later down the line. But for the time being, I'm fine with the room because I can kind of see what they're going for here. And just, you know, really highlighting that running game uh, for Zach Wilson's rookie year. I really don't have a problem with what they did as far as, you know, the tight end situation. Um, you guys kind of, you know, went over it. Herndon just didn't, didn't pan out. Uh, your boy, he's still raw. We knew that. You know, with him coming out of Ole Miss, he, you know, his, his measurables are great. He just got to get used to the game. I, I'm glad he's on the practice squad. Uh, really didn't see much out of, you know, Daniel Brown. Um, and like you said, Omari by West Coast, he, he's going to be moved around. But the one thing I, I can say is that if Tyler Cross, is healthy, he can be good. And the last time that he was healthy, he played 16 games. I think it was 2017, maybe 18, for Cincinnati. Uh, he had a good year. He, he, he caught 17, you know, uh, almost 50, 50 uh, passes. So he can be productive in, in the right system, in the right situation. And I'm thinking that, you know, he will be utilized pretty good. We saw that in the preseason game. But I'm not expecting, like one guy said, astronomical numbers. But if we can get 40 to 50 receptions out of the tight end position, period, not just him, but just period, you know, will be good. Yeah, I think so. And I think if you start to look at that Shanahan and the floor tree, they've been doing this ever since guys like Joe Dreesen. And I'm talking about Mike Shanahan. They've been doing this ever since, you know, like you look at Robert Tonyan down and I, and I know that he's down there with Aaron Rodgers. He's down there with one of, you know, arguably the, the GOAT. But you look at a lot of these, George Kittle, like even though I wanted him, he was a fifth round pick and he was considered more of a blocker. So a lot of this, the tight end, you can scheme a lot of, uh, uh, tight end production, so it's, it's going to be it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how how that position uh, basically turns out. So I'm definitely going to be looking into that. Uh, so right now, I don't think that the Jets and the, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe that a tack, uh, a right tackle the the winner have they, have they announced the starter yet? No, they haven't. Right. So we'll just run through. Obviously, you guys, you know, we have Mackay Becton, AVT, Connor McGovern, Greg Van Roten. And George Fant slash Morgan Moses. Uh, there's no surprises there. Dan Feeney makes a team. Uh, and right now, I actually have ESPN up. They don't have uh, much else uh, behind that. But uh, but we know that there's there, that there's some other guys that have been um, added to added to the roster. It's still it's actually probably not even the final roster. They're probably going to make some changes coming up. Um, no surprises there. But uh, are there any any concerns on the offensive line, Matt? Uh, no, I don't really have any. I think this is who we expected. Obviously, Elijah Veritaker didn't play in the preseason, so it's a little bit scary to to not be able to see what he was, you know, quote-unquote capable of or getting some live reps, you know, going into the season. Obviously, they had the uh, 
the inter-team scrimmages and, and practices and so on. So hopefully he got some good reps there when he was back. But um, other than that, I feel comfortable with this group going in. I know I had a little bit of concern with GVR uh, going into it, but I mean, realistically, you know, it is what it is right now. If there was any players that we could pick up off the waiver wire or stuff like that, I'm sure Joe Douglas is doing his due diligence to see if there is anyone. But overall, I'm, I'm content with this group. I mean, I didn't see really anything from Dan Feeney to really make me feel comfortable about the backup positions. But as far as the starting five or six, you know, including Morgan Moses, George Fan as, you know, interchangeable starters, I feel comfortable with, with the starters. I think that the best case scenario for the Jets this season is to have the same five or six guys going every game to build that rapport with each other. Like we saw last year on that left side of the offensive line with Becton and uh, Elfline. So, you know, hopefully the, the, the offensive line could stay healthy and everyone could stay on the field at the same time. That'd be uh, ideal, I guess, for Zach's rookie season. Uh, I have, I'm not shocked in anything. I'm not surprised. Um, I'm, I, well, uh, one name wasn't mentioned was Adoga. He he made speed, which I honestly don't know how he, he did, but you know it is what it is with him. But like you said, man, that continuity is everything, and, and having those guys there, uh, building up that chemistry and rapport is everything. So, no surprise. Uh, no surprises for me. Like I said, um, maybe uh, concerns. Chuma Doga. And Dan Feeney are primarily a backups because I believe Connor McDermott is out for the entire year. He's on the IR, or at least he won't be back until week eight. And I honestly don't know who the backup center is going to be. So I think that that's going to be a position that they have to address as well. Um, and that pretty much rounds out the offense. So I, there's not there's not a much there's not much surprises. What I will say, just looking at it as as a macro right now, the offense. I think that the wide receiver position is. <laughs> is light years. It's almost a complete 180 in the talent department. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what it is with, with Zach. Running back is deep, talented. They all bring something different to the table. I like the tight end room. And I like the, I like the, the starting offensive line. Um, that, that, that's pretty much all that I have for that point right there. And I think that, um, I think, I think, I, I don't know. I think that the offense is definitely going to have to carry this team. Uh, what, what do you think, Matt? That's a 180 from, you know, Jets past, if we're being honest. It's always been the defense. The offense has always just slacked. I mean, especially the last two years with Gase. But I totally agree. I think that the offense is going to have to carry carry us. I think the talent is there. I think that, you know, even just in the early preseason, obviously I know we weren't going against the ones or all the ones of every other team, but you could just see that there's more creativity in the first drive that we saw in the preseason than we did for the last two years. So I think that – without a doubt that the offense is going to carry us. Um, but again, we could be pleasantly surprised. I mean, players really seem to take a liking to, to Salah. They, they seem to, you know, I really think that the defense is going to go out there every snap and give their all. So, I mean, granted, I'm not saying that we're going to have a top five defense. I mean, when Lawson was here, I think people were really high on it, but uh, I don't know, man, the offense looks like it's in, in good shape um, outside of those backup positions on the offensive line. And I really do think that, like you said, they're going to have to carry us regardless. And, I mean, listen, if you tell me that the offense is going to be able to put up points almost at will, then I would be a, a pretty happy camper, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that, yeah that'll be surprising because the narrative for the last decade has always been defense first. So even though we have a defense first or a defensive uh, – a defense-focused 
quarter, uh, sorry, head coach, it'll be good to see that, um, that, that they're showing some love to that offense as well, too. So let, let's go over to the defense. All right. So right now at left defensive end, it's uh, John Franklin Myers. Then you got the D tackles. You got Q and you got Sheldon. And then for right now, you got Bryce Huff. But the Jets also acquired Shaq Lawson. He's going to be the starter. And I think and also they um, they got Tim Ward. So Tim, they got Tim Ward and they also added Quincy Williams at, at linebacker. So I think that the starters are going to be JFM, Sheldon, Q and Shaq Lawson. So I thought it was really good. The Jets had to replace Carl Lawson and Shaq Lawson isn't going to replace what we all thought that Carl Lawson was going to do, but you had to make a move and Shaq Lawson does have success in this league. Minimal success, but I do like that. So uh, how does the addition of Shaq Lawson uh, make, make you feel? Uh, I'm, you know, it didn't really move the needle for me. I mean, he has, tw- I think he has about 20 and a half career sacks in the, uh, you know, in the NFL and his, I think, four or five years in, in the NFL or whatever. He's moved on. This is actually the third team in the uh, AFC East that he's played on, which is pretty interesting to say the least. But it didn't really move the needle. I think that the defensive line is still going to be our strongest point on the defense. Um, obviously, he's not going to come in. Like you said, he's not going to replace the production that that Carl Lawson was going to bring. But, at the you know, at the end of the day, if he comes in and he fills his role and we still have that ability to, you know, have fresh legs in every single – you know, time when the defense goes out, then he's doing his job. And this list doesn't even include, I think Kyle Phillips is still in the IR. So this list doesn't even include him and and who knows what's going to happen then. So overall, I'm happy with the group. You know, there's no replacing Carl Lawson, but I am, you know, cautiously optimistic that we're still going to get production from the guys that are, that are listed on the 53 man as it stands right now. Um, And yeah, I really do think that that combination of Sheldon Rankins and Q is going to be, you know, really something to see. I think they're really going to push the pocket and, and we might see, you know, big, you know, higher sack numbers for JFM and Bryce Huff strictly because they're forcing the QB outside of the pocket, you know, around the tackles. And it's kind of like a layup, uh, layup sack for the edge guys. So it remains to be seen. I'm excited to see what happens uh, week one with this, with this defensive group because the uh, Panthers don't exactly have the best offensive line uh, in the NFL, but you know, I, I feel cautiously optimistic that the defensive line is going to still produce at a high level uh, despite losing Carl Lawson. Yeah, yeah, 100%. This is still, I'd probably say with the loss of Carl Lawson uh, as, as a whole, this is probably the deepest uh, group on the team. Uh, you love the, I know you talked about Kyle Phillips as well too. Jonathan Marshall actually makes the team. Uh, Tim Ward, as I mentioned, and then they had to get somebody else because Vinny Curry's out for the entire year. So Nathan Shepard. So I love all that. And I think that Bryce Huff, me personally, I just don't think that Bryce Huff was ready to take on the role um, as an every down player. He's just, I think he needs to bulk up just a little bit. Uh, right now, I think that he needs to be that designated pass rusher. So I think that this actually increases his value now because Shaq Lawson is used to, to taking on uh, first string snaps and getting the majority of snaps and he'll, he'll be a little more stout against the run. So I like that. Uh, TK, you got anything to add for the D-line? Um. Yeah, man. I uh, I don't think we'll be as bad as, as people feel like. Um, yeah, the, the loss of Lawson, Carl Lawson is huge. I'm not really too convinced that, that losing Vinnie Curry was a huge blow. I mean, he was good for rotational purposes and you know, small sample sizes. He he was he was he was cool. But um, I I do think that. 
Shaq can can do a little something in his defense, um, I think that he will be a, a big part of the rotation as well as Huff. I'm I'm ready for Cal Phillips to come back himself to see what he really, you know, can give us. Um, and yeah, man, like like the the the, the one uh, what we say would be feared defensive line, you know, has 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 taken a couple notches uh, back, a couple steps back, but I still think they will be effective. So, you know, the excitement still there for me, man. Um, I think with a healthy Q, a healthy Sheldon, um, a a a motivated and healthy John Franklin Meyer, I think they'll still cause you know some havoc and, and, and make some big plays. Yeah, 100%. Let's talk about Kyle Phillips a little bit because we're all big fans of Kyle Phillips and, I, and and Twitter loves Kyle Phillips. But when you think about it, Kyle Phillips played five techniques, so he's probably going to be a three technique. How much how much of an impact do we honestly think that he's going to have? Because in this defense, if he's playing defensive tackle, it's going to be hard for him to get rotation snaps. He's going to be behind four guys, possibly even five when you uh, take into account Jonathan Marshall because he's actually been getting reps. So, so what is because TK? I know that you you've been championing him for a while. Um, what do you really realistically think that he's going to be able to to bring to this team? Because I don't think that you know Kyle Phillips, if I'm not mistaken, he's what's like six four, maybe like two eighty. And I remember he was in you know he was basically an interior rusher. And another thing, a lot of people aren't um, talking about a lot is that JFM was an interior rusher as well too. So there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for him rushing from the outside every time. So, so Tyrus, realistically, what do you think that Kyle Phillips is going to bring uh, once he's off the uh, the pup? Realistically, I think he brings more flexibility. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, you know they, they, they'll be able to move everybody around. I, I can see Q getting some snaps outside myself. So I think that's the number one thing, man. Uh, he will bring some flexibility and the ability to make some good plays. Matt, same question to you. Uh, I think he's just going to bring fresh legs. Honestly, I mean, as long as he's healthy, I, I think that this the outside on the outside the the mantra is going to be to have fresh legs at all points in time, so you can constantly have rotational pass rushes. I don't think that I don't think Bryce Huff. I, mean, I don't. I think the only stalwart on that team on the defensive line that's going to be in almost every play is going to be Q because you got to rotate Sheldon Rankins uh, and and Foley in there on the running downs and so and, and you know whatever. So. I think realistically, you just are always going to want to be able to have JFM, Bryce Huff, Kyle Phillips, and and Carl Lawson always have fresh legs because none of them, I think, are going to be on the field for every three, you know, every three snaps. It's going to be a constant rotation. So realistically, what is Kyle Phillips going to bring? Just fresh legs, just a different look. I mean, a lot of our guys on the outside are all have the same relative build. They're all about, you know, 6'2 to 6'4, 265 plus. So they're all going to bring, you know, just, you know, the same size but just fresh legs and I think that's what's going to be important for Robert Salah's defense to work because we've already you know we'll get to the secondary but the secondary is clearly the weak point of this team so having the ability to have fresh legs at pass rusher is going to be the 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 pinnacle of of this defense so to speak so I I think realistically that's all that Kyle Phillips is going to bring is just the ability to have fresh legs on the field at all points in time gotcha gotcha all right good Good. Let's move on to the linebackers. So the starting linebackers right now, uh, just in case you guys don't know, we mentioned this last week, but Jared Davis is probably going to miss the first six to eight weeks of the season. So that thrusts 
Uh, Jamie and Sherwood into the Sam role. Hamza Nasruddin will be the Will, like we all said. <laughs> and CJ Mosley returns as, as the anchor and middle linebacker of this team. Second string, you have Blake Cashman, Quincy Williams, who's the brother of Quinnen. And, uh, and, that's, and that's basically it at the linebacker position. Um, I'm going to tell you guys right now, especially after seeing that, that Philadelphia for, uh, preseason finale, this, th- th- this is going to be – this group scares me. It scares me because it scares me because uh, Jamie Sherman did not look good. He did not look good against Philly's second string. Uh, he was taking bad angles. He was missing tackles. It just it just wasn't it just wasn't a good it just wasn't a good first I guess you know first taste of starting for Jamie and Sherwood. I uh, I, I think C.J. Moses is going to be fine. He looks great. He looks fast. He knows the game. He's a veteran. Uh, Hamza, he'll probably mess up a little bit, but he doesn't worry me at all. I actually think that he's that he's going to be a really, really solid player in this for this team. But the line, the linebacking scares me now because even the guys that are backing up, like Blake Cashman, have a bunch of injury issues. So, how are you guys feeling about the linebacking core, Matt? It's crazy how we can just kind of do a 180 because I really thought the linebacking core was going to be one of the stronger points also, and I thought the secondary was going to be the only issue. But obviously, Jared Davis being out for six weeks, Sherwood not looking like he's quite ready, which, I mean, no one expects him to be ready anyway. So it's, it's he's a rookie, and he's never played a professional snap in his career. Blake Cashman can't stay healthy. So, I mean, you're really rolling out there with C.J. Mosley, who hasn't played in, you know, a year and a half, two years, and you're rolling out there with another rookie The the you know – it's tough. Quincy Williams is is a nice pickup, but you don't know what you're going to get from him either. So it's, it's tough because what we thought might've been a strength is now, you know, potentially a weakness. I mean, again, we don't know what we're going to get from CJ on the field early on. He looked like he was in peak physical, you know, shape. So that's good. Hamza has looked good, but I mean, at the end of the day, I I just think that this is a a weak position and and it kind of scares me just a little bit. And, And I think that what, could have been at least a top 10 defense due to the defensive line or the front seven is now potentially in question just because of the injuries that, you know, to loss and the injury to Jared Davis and the injury, you know, and, and not having the, the required depth to have uh, production at those positions. So it's a, it's a little bit of a worry for me, definitely more of a worry than it was prior to the injuries. I, uh, I can argue that the injury to Jared Davis, was a lot bigger than the injury to Carl because of some of the things that you guys made. Um, first of all, let, let me just say kudos again to you guys because we called the Nazarene thing from the day of the draft, you know, easily. Um, <clears throat> we also said Sherwood would play linebacker as well, but, you know, like you said, Amar, he, he took bad angles, you know, you a lot more missteps than what I was comfortable seeing. And I'm hoping that they can coach him up more. Um, but I, after Davies went down, I honestly had hope to myself that they would call KJ Wright or somebody, you know, of the like to, to you know, get some experience in there, um, you know, to help foster these young guys along and also make them play. So I, I want um, position of strength for us has, has, you know, been been downgraded because of, of major injury. And, you know, hopefully uh, Jerry can, can tread water, man. He, he can think more than uh, – he can swim rather than think 
until uh, Davis gets back because uh, if he doesn't, that defense is going to really be in trouble. Yeah, man, I agree. Let me ask you guys a question. So we know that the Cowboys, even though I'll be real with you, I don't even understand how the NFL cap <laughs> works sometimes. Jalen Smith is on is probably on the trading block or one of those linebackers not named Micah Parsons is going to be on the trading block. I know that this defense isn't really predicated on, on linebacker on, you know, on linebacker play, but we, we, but we do see what a really good linebacker can do. Would you guys throw and and this is because Jalen Smith, he, he's making a bunch of money. Well, not a bunch of money, but a lot of money for the linebacker position. How would you guys feel throwing like a fifth rounder or, or one of the late round picks that, 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 that the Jets have for somebody like a Jalen Smith. Now, TK, I know that you mentioned KJ Wright or something like that. Maybe that would be a more, you know, a more efficient move. But how would you, how would you feel about that, Matt? Funny enough, I actually saw like a rumor that Jalen Smith was potentially on the block just because um, I would be all for it. I mean, I think it's, I, I'm fairly certain his salary is a little bloated, though, if I'm not mistaken. I think he, he just resigned to a new deal. Yeah, I believe he's on the hook for 9.8, which is a little rich. But again, who, who are they just paying right now? I, I totally agree. But I mean, I think we actually had a conversation about this. I don't Jalen Smith. He just doesn't. I mean, coming out of college, I really did like him. But after that injury and, and whatever, I know he, he's, you know, I think he had a Pro Bowl season or whatever. I just I don't think he's as good as people think he is, if that makes sense. Um, I think he's a kind of a little bit of a product of hype. And I saw him get torched in the preseason quite a few times you know, falling for, you know, play actions and, and even in coverage. So, I mean, I would give it a look, but I mean, the second Jared Davis comes back, it's like, what do you, then you kind of, what do you do? You got a $9 million guy sitting on the bench, you know, and who knows what you're going to be on the, you know, on the string for next year. So. Yeah, that's also true. But guess what? Uh, Jared Davis money is coming off the, the table as well. And I believe what most of CJ's money is going to be non-guaranteed. I think we're, we're going to start getting into that non-guaranteed money of, of CJ's contract. I know Tyrus is familiar with his his contract language more than me. But my whole thing is, even though Hams has been good, both of these guys are rookies. So they're either going to hit the wall and they're still going to have to be an adjustment. Now, granted, I would love to see Hamza work through it. But I, I think it's just something to I just think it's something to consider. And I think that there needs to be, like, the fact that Blake Cashman is Hamza's backup, like, come on. I know you don't feel okay with that. And I know Tyrus doesn't feel okay with that. Um, Tyrus, you're, you're more tapped in than both of us being in Texas. So what, do you, what would you think about Jalen Smith coming over? Listen, man, uh, if we can get him for – okay, we, we talk – you know, I'm a Notre Dame guy. So excuse my bias, but I would take him to Hartford. Yes, he freestyles a lot more than what he should or, or what I would like to see him do. But, again, I think the power of Salah and what Obrick has done with so many linebackers, I, mean, I think he could be reined in and put you know on the right track, man. And as far as his, his contract, um, they have an out after 2022. Uh, and the dead cap would only be $6.8 So, you bring this guy, he's 26 years old. You have him, you know, under thumb because he's 20, 28 maybe, uh, 29 if you see it all the way through. And I, I wouldn't mind that at all. Like you said, who, one, who are they paying? And two, you talking about three starting linebackers with pure speed who can get, you know, the quarterback, can cover tight ends, can, you know, get to the running back from the outside. 
like dog, it it's a no brainer for me. Um, but again, if if, if the, the the money part of it is problematic to them, then like I said, you can get KJ for the deep one year deal. But to what you said, Amar, you got Jared coming off the books, and if he's hurt now and he gets hurt again, he comes back. You're not bringing him back anyway. You you roll the dice, baby. Yeah, well, yeah, one hundred percent, man. Uh, let's move on to the uh, most volatile position of this team. It's probably been the most widely talked about uh, position group. So uh, right now, and there were some surprise cuts. So Bryce Hall is going to be your starting corner. Uh, as of right now, they list Javelin Gidry there, but it'll probably be Brandon Eccles. Uh, Isaiah Dunn made the team. Lamarcus Joyner, uh, Marcus May. Michael Carter II, Jason Pinnock, Justin Hardy, they all made the team. Ashton Davis has been uh, put um, put on the IR, so scheduled to come back week six. Uh, and Sherrod Neesman was picked up. So my biggest surprise, a name that you guys didn't hear, Bless Austin was cut. Now, I was super surprised at that. I, for a long time, I penciled in. I penciled in Bless Austin and Bryce Hall as our starting corners. But oddly enough, during the, the Philly game, the announcers did say that uh, Brandon Eccles was playing like CB1, and that's what Robert Silas said. So that really surprised me too. But it surprised me that he would say that and he would announce that it that he was CB1. But Matt and I even said that, that Eccles was flashing almost every game that he played. So that's not super surprising. And I think that Joe Douglas really and Robert Silas, they really want to go with, with these guys um, and that they drafted and just put a little, you know, just put a little faith in these guys. So, so that was cool as well too. Uh, Matt, uh, how surprised, well, one, two-fold question. How surprised were you that Bless Austin was cut? And two, what do you think about the the DBs that made it? Uh, I was surprised Bless was cut just because he's kind of, you know, been around a little bit. And he's He might not be the best in coverage, but he's a willing tackler, which a lot of rookies, you know, aren't. And, and he brings a, a modicum of, you know, experience to that room. So I was definitely a little surprised. I mean, I, I always appreciated him when, you know, coming off the injury when he was drafted. I believe he came out of Rutgers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, I, I always liked him as – he's definitely a good person and, and, and whatnot. But I was a little bit surprised because you really just went from having guys that have three to four years of experience to your whole room has two years or less. So it's, it's certainly a little bit, you know, of a scary proposition running in there. But – you know, Joe Douglas and Sala made it known that they're going to be running with the young guys. They're going to put a little faith in them. And, and realistically, this whole season is just going to be a learning curve. That's really what it's going to be. I mean, Zach Wilson's going to have growing pains. The defense is going to have growing pains. This really just has to be a year where a lot of these young guys get a year under their belt in the system. They get comfortable. They get some, you know, real live snaps. And then next year you get fully healthy. You get Carl Lawson back. You get your guys back. You get a whole another draft class in. And, and, you know, you assess and, and make the necessary appro- uh, improvements to, to keep moving forward as a franchise. But as far as the, the room as a whole, I mean, Bryce Hall, I think, is going to, you know, obviously be CB. I thought he was going to be CB1 just because by default. But, you know, I guess Eccles might have – I mean, he's been flashing throughout the whole preseason. But at the end of the day, you don't, you don't really know. He hasn't played against ones of the other team. So for all we know, he could be getting torched. But listen, man, if Brandon Eccles, who was what a fifth, sixth round pick, is you know flashing and, and is CB one right now or appointed CB one, I mean, I guess that's kind of a good thing, right? If your coach sees the sees you know a draft pick that they made as as having that that upside, that potential, great. I mean, Isaiah Dunn, I think, has been rumored to be a, one of the favorites at camp. 
So that's not a shock to me. Um, Pinnock, I think, is healthy now, so that's good. And and it's pretty much all draft picks, un, undrafted free agents, or, you know, Bryce Hall. So, I mean, it's a scary room to go into the season with, especially going, you know, week one against the Panthers with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and and the boys over there, and, and McCaffrey, who's, you know, able to, to line up on the outside as well. So it's scary to go in there, but you just kind of kind of hope that they they play up to the level that that the coaches think that they can. And I guess that's pretty much all that can be said for that. I mean, Javelin Gidgery, too. Uh, he's uh, well, I was watching one just drive and they just yell his name like it's nothing saying good play, good play, good play. So I guess, hey, man, you never know. Maybe these guys come out and they, they play above the level that maybe we expect them, but remains to be seen. Let, let me just say this about Blair. Um one, it, it wasn't. It was a surprise to me that he was cut. Uh, sort of. Uh, it wouldn't have been surprising if they kept him. He didn't start, but he's been here two years. He's played eighteen games in two years. Um, he's been, you know, hurt this year in camp and whatnot. And you know, when he's played, he has gotten burnt. He has gotten. You know, you. So my thing is like, you can't be hurt and you know, beat a lot. Like you got to pick one or the other. You can't be both of them and expect to be on. So I I, I think that was his, his biggest downfall. Um, probably his health more than his his play, because they they may feel like hey. We, we get rid of somebody in, in place of him and then he goes down with what's up. So I'm 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 not really, you know, mad at it. I like Bless. I like his size, his length, his heart, his nose, you know, getting there and, and hit. But you know, it, it's it's about the best fifty three and he just wasn't it, man. Now, as far as the other guys we got, they 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 call Run Rivera Riverboat Run because of his willingness to gamble. And that's what uh, Joe Douglas and, and Robert Sala is doing right now. They they are going all in, you know, pushing their tips to the middle of the table this year with those young cornerbacks. And I honestly love it, man. Like, they they are about to get, you know, baptized by fire. They're about to learn on the job. You know, they say experience is the best teacher. And these boys about to be caught a valuable. I'm about to say they about to get thrown right into the fire because it, it's going to be it's it's going to be uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Joe Douglas said that he cut Bless Austin because they respect him enough. They didn't want to ask him to take a reduced role, so they rather him go find a starting role somewhere else. Um, oh, and the kickers, Matt Amendola, punters, Braden Man. So I, th- I think that we all kind of knew that. All right, let's talk about Jabari Zuniga being cut. Jabari Zuniga, and this just brings up, and you guys already know I'm talking about it again. This just brings up that, you know, <laughs> that volatile 2020 draft. So they cut their fourth round pick, um, their long-term backup plan, James Morgan. He was cut, and then he decided to join the practice squad. Uh, I saw somebody write that uh, he followed Sam Donald because he thought it would be easier to take the starting job than it would be to uh, if he stayed with the Jets. I thought that was pretty funny. Jabar Zuniga was cut. He was a third rounder from that. Uh, we didn't bring up Ashton Davis because he's on the IR. And Denzel Mims, we haven't seen him in two weeks. Makai Becton is Makai Becton. We know that. 
guys, can you finally agree with me now that that 2020 class isn't as good as we as we thought? And y'all know how much I like Makai Becton because he was my tackle. He was my tackle too, not one. Uh, he was two because I love Jedrick Wills. And um, and I was kind of wrong. Oh, Matt, we were uh, well. Tyrus and I were wrong about Andrew Thomas. I thought that he had the highest floor of all those guys. Well, his floor is the basement. So I think that it's, <laughs> I think that that's easy to say that Andrew Thomas isn't what I thought he was. So let's discuss. And Matt, I know that you feel very passionate about this and I'm ready to go. What do you think about my take on the 2020 draft class besides it being right? I'm on record for saying that as long as Makai Becton worked out and even Mims you know, worked out to whatever extent you want to, you know, measure worked out. I didn't care what the rest, the rest of the class was going to be gravy. And to be honest with you, I'm perfectly content with the class as it is. I mean, Braden man's your starting punter, right? So, I mean, field positioning is everything. But Michael Pirine had flashes in the preseason. Yeah, he's hurt. But as much as we want to sit there and bash on him, kid had a fine preseason. And you can see that they're going to have a defined role, whether that's special teams or not. So, okay. Um, Denzel Mims still on the roster. He's kind of just buried because there's a lot of wide receivers that are equally, you know, as good as him, if not better And Corey Davis, Jameson Crowder, you know, whatever, but look at what Denzel Mims did against the Chargers last year. So, I mean, you, you've seen the flashes from him. Makai Becton is Makai Becton. So that's four players right there. Yeah. James Morgan. Okay. Prime, prime real estate pick right there. Absolutely. Sure. Waste. But at least Joe Douglas was, you know, able to admit that he, he messed up. So, you know, I, I get that, but I mean, realistically, I'm okay with. I mean, Zaniga's coming back on the on the practice squad, so it is what it is, and and he's often hurt, so I'm willing to live with that. And Bryce Hall is the starting cornerback, so I mean, I'm I'm willing to live with it. I I don't think that the draft was a total crapshoot, and I think that we got you know some starters out of it. So that's my piece. Yeah, but also, don't you think, and, and granted, listen, the variables, variables can be everything. I, it was funny. I just had an argument with my brother about variables and we were talking about certain things and, and what ifs. I understand that he was drafting from a different perspective and he was drafting for a different offense to a coach that probably didn't know what the hell he was doing. So I do give him that, but it's still about evaluating talent. Now, I love what he did this year, but... I don't know. He had, what was that? Uh, I count them up, what, six or seven picks? And out of those, a lot of those guys are hurt. And a lot of those guys aren't producing regularly. So I, I, I don't know, man. It just really, it really annoys me. You look at the third round as a drafting hurt guys. What do I always say, Tyrus? Hurt, hurt guys get hurt. And they're going to continue to get hurt. There's not too many times. There's not too many Frank Gores out there that people, you know, have major injuries in college and then they don't get injured when they come into the league where it's just faster people and, and they're just more physical. So Ashton Davis, that was a reach to me. And I know a lot of people, you know, I know a lot of scouts fall in love with these guys and versatility and stuff like that. Ashton Davis is already 25, I believe. I believe he was drafted at 23 or 24. So he's already 25. So he's an older guy. Jabari Zuniga wasn't even the best edge talent on his team. Not even, not even the SEC. He wasn't even the best, he wasn't even the best um, edge rusher on his own team, especially when you got guys like Alex Highsmith uh, that was still on the board. Imagine if Alex Highsmith was had his hand in a third on the other opposite end of Carl Lawson. Then, then we'd be cooking. But I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just didn't. I just didn't like it. I didn't think. I think Lamichael P. Ryan he lacked the burst. And and for the things that that people said that he did well, and the Jets said he did well, Adam Gates didn't even use it. 
So I just thought that it was, you know, I, I don't know, man. I guess if you get a, a franchise left tackle in the starting corner, I guess it was a decent draft. But um, I don't know, man. Tyrus, what do you have? Three letters. T-B-D. Who's Tibbet? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Go. I'm, I'm, I'm still not convinced that this draft is bad. Um, yes, they, they've been hurt. But, again, this is just the second year. Now, I want to see what happens the rest of this year uh, moving forward before I say, you know what, it was, it was terrible. Yeah, the James Morgan thing, but we, we all uh, disavowed that thing the, the night of the draft when it happened. But, you know, the rest of them, they all brought reasonable excitement. Yeah, I do believe Alex Hoskins would have been better than Smeja. But, when you, you know, he looked at it when he was healthy. He jumped off screen, you know, his tape was off. But again, I just—it's it's too early, man. Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm not, I'm not there yet. Um, let this season go by, and if they still banged up, not producing, not you know giving anything to the team, then I'll you know come to the dark side, you know, right there with you, uh, dark kids. But as of right now, nah, I—I'm I, I'm, not—I'm not gonna go with this. It was bad. You know, I, I quickly just – I agree. I mean, the, the rule of thumb is usually it takes three years to fully evaluate a draft class. We're in year two, right? I mean, I, well, realistically, we're not even – we're in year two. We ain't even started year two yet. So let's let it play out and give it one more year. I mean, obviously, it's not a good look to see your, you know, James Morgan gone. Like, I totally get that. It's not a good look to cut your third-round pass rusher. I mean, he's back on the practice squad and he can't stay healthy. So I totally get the injury perspective of this, but – it takes three years to evaluate a draft class properly. That's why I hate when they do the re-mock drafts every six months after the draft. Like, it's stupid. That's why we don't pay it any mind. So, nah, man, I'm sorry. Like, if it's me, I'm going to evaluate it next year. After this season, we'll have a clearer picture, and then we'll go from there. But realistically, I mean, sometimes it's a numbers game in the case of, you know, certain players, and sometimes it's just, you know, and, and, and yeah an admission of being wrong, which Joe Douglas might have the propensity to do. But hindsight's 2020 when we're talking about Alex Highsmith and so on and so forth. But if I'm being honest, I'll give it this year and then we'll we'll evaluate at the end of the year. I think we'll have a clearer picture of it at that point. So for you, Matt, if Makai Becton is a franchise left tackle and Bryce Hall is just a starting corner, that was a win for you, right? If you have a franchise left tackle for the next 12, 12 years, yeah, it's a win. I don't care what the rest of the draft is. If I'm being honest, I really don't care. Okay. The, the, the likelihood of hitting on your picks as the draft goes on is, is less and less. And that's just a fact. Now, obviously, you know, we've seen really good draft classes before. That's not what I'm saying. And there you should be able to scout until the sixth, seventh round well and, and evaluate talent. That's why you're paid. But if Makai Becton turns into, you know, a 12-year you know starter, all pro, five, seven years, whatever it is, I don't care what the rest of the draft class looks like, if I'm being honest. And, and to be real, he has. Uh, Joe Douglas has been better, and he has found talent. Bryce, uh, Bryce Hall is a fifth-rounder. Hamza Nasruddin was a sixth-rounder, I believe. Or was he a fifth? No, he was a fifth. fifth. No, fifth, right? Sixth. Okay, sixth. Okay. Yeah. What'd you say? I know, I know we're talking about the draft class. Are we counting the UDFAs as being part of the draft class as well? Say that again? Are we counting the undrafted free agents as being part of that 
that class. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are guys that those are guys that you would have drafted if you had the pick, but you didn't and you lucked out and they ended up as undrafted free agents. That's sure. that's not my logic. That's Joe Douglas's logic. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like you if you count those guys, that could be his saving grace if you know, David and, and Zanita just don't make the cut. That's that's what I was, you know, getting at. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that makes sense. That that makes sense. But I I just I just always felt like like I, I'm a huge I'm a huge guy, and I'm sure that you guys will agree when it comes to drafting and stuff like this. Those third and fourth rounds you have, those are going to be the guys that that fill out the 23 to. 45, which I think is almost in, in some essence just as important as that one to 22. And those are going to be those guys that, that you that you cycle through the roster and you hopefully you develop and you become uh, starters. So that's why I just think that those picks shouldn't be – those picks just they, – they just shouldn't be, you know, flyers that, that you just take. I think you start taking flyers on guys that, that are just, you know, super athletes or maybe not productive in the fourth and fifth round and, and even the sixth round. So I just felt – that he did, and and this is another thing, and you know, and this is another topic that we'll just have. I really don't think that Joe Douglas wanted Sam as his QB, and I don't think he that he was envisioning Adam Gase being his head coach because he did not. He did not. If you look, and we can say that he learned his lesson. Joe Douglas did not get so much smarter over the last twelve months than he has as he as being a football lifer. So I don't think he really wanted Sam as his quarterback because That's why he drafted James Morgan. Exactly. Yeah. No. No. You not now that I'm seeing that now. Would have someone that would have been his guy if he was successful. Exactly. And that's, I, and how, I think that's so. how I've looked at it. Because, because listen, I know I keep bringing up Gabriel Davis just because I really liked him and I was, you know, and I got to see him play a little bit. There's no way that you do those things that you that you that you select those players if you want Sam to be successful. I I, I envision totally Adam agree. Gates being here. Uh, and it, you know, after after he was so like like if I find that out, then I'll just stop bringing it up. But I mean that, that that's just how I feel about it. Um, Tyrus, uh, I'm probably putting you on the spot here, and uh, Matt, you could jump in as well too. Was there anybody that was cut that you were kind of hoping that the Jets would sign or pick up? <sighs> Man, um, God. Well, uh, Everson Griffin was one, but he went right back. Um, man, I, I really well, Nick Mullen was was another. Um, so far, that's that's the two two that I have. I and honestly, I I hadn't really just really looked at you know all the guys who have been cut. I just know I. I kind of had my eye on those two because of the, the, uh, their positions of, of what I felt was positions of me. Um, but yeah, right, right now that's, that's all I, I, I got. Um, no, I don't really think there was anyone. I mean, I know Nick Mullins was cut and he was kind of the guy when he was a free agent, we were all talking about as potentially being a guy you bring in just familiarity with the system and, and whatnot. But other than that, I, there's nobody out there that I would have been like, you know, Let's bring him in, you know, immediately. I think that the guys that they got on the waiver wire were nice, but not a lot of, you know, really renowned people were cut. Even guys that maybe had contracts that lasted longer than a year and they were surprise cuts that, you know, they didn't want to pay him or they filled the, you know, the role like maybe a Jalen Smith or someone like that. So 
no one out there that I really thought was going to be someone that I would run and, and, and fly over to the waiver wire to pick him up. So um, if I'm being honest, uh, I mean, that could still change. The biggest shock to me was obviously still the Cam Newton cut, but I mean, I wouldn't bring him in, bring him in as a uh, veteran backup if I'm being honest, unless it, it was for the veteran minimum, which is, is, is possible, but he's the only guy I could think of that maybe teams could be like, okay, you know, he's worth a waiver just to have as, as a, a viable backup option. God forbid something happened to your quarterback, but I think that he can start for a team if he really wanted to, it's just a matter of finding a team that will give him that opportunity. Yeah. I just think, you know Oh, go ahead. You brought up a name, uh, you know, we were talking offline earlier, uh, Omar, they just crossed my mind. Bernard McKinney. Yes. Linebacker. Yes. Like that, I wouldn't mind him. Like, dude has had, uh, I think he's averaged like 95, 96 uh, tackles or something like that. No, no, I take that back. He's had like 90 plus tackles or like four or five different teams in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, being Houston where I'm at, I, I've watched him a lot. You know, after the Jets game, go off whatever. That's the local game, so you know it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind him. Um, yeah, I like Menardra McKinney. I think he fits a need, especially because of uh, the Jared Davis injury, and I think that he's going to come pretty cheap. Um, I believe, uh, yeah, he was traded for Shaq Wilson. I believe both guys, and they can they kind of fell out of favor in both spots that they were at, and I think that he will probably fit. The system. My only thing with Benardrick, he would probably have to play middle. I know that he struggles in pass coverage. I know that his, you know, his, you know, the way, you know, the way he earns his money is definitely in the run game. Uh, a guy that we thought about, but then Joe Douglas after his press conference said that he wasn't really, uh, he wasn't, re- he wants to give those young guys an opportunity. I was thinking about uh, Rasul Douglas. I know Matt likes him. Matt, what do, how did you feel about uh, Rasul Douglas possibly coming in? Uh, I liked the idea of him coming in, but I also think the other veteran out there that I really liked also was Desmond Trufant, uh, former All-Pro with the Falcons, first-round pick um, out of Washington, I believe. But I, I just – obviously, this was prior to the press conference where they discussed who they thought was going to be – or I'm sorry, prior to the press conference when they said that they were going to you know, invest in the young guys – um, but yeah, I, I like Rosal Douglas. I've, I've liked him for a while. He struggles at times against some of the premier, you know, route runners in the NFL, but I still think that you got to bring in a veteran body and I hope that they do. But, uh, yeah, without a doubt, I think, I think Razul and, and Desmond Trufant would be definitely worth a look. But, uh, again, one of those things where it's like, I'm going to take Saul, I'm going to take Douglas at their word. Cause they seem to be, you know, in lockstep with each other saying the same exact thing, which is that they're going to trust these young guys no matter what. And, to be fair, we got to see what we got in these young guys because there's too many instances where we draft guys and, and we never really truly see them in game action because we're too busy spending prime dollars on on big name free agents that turn out to uh, amount to nothing with the team. I'm looking at you, uh, Tremaine Johnson. Oh, I, I got a, I got another name that crossed my mind too. Uh, we, we start talking about Rasul Douglas and Desmond Trufant, Jimmy Moreland, former um, rescue. I mean, you you know, I'm high on Javon Gidget's spot, but Moreland wasn't bad in the spot. He didn't allow a single touchdown last year, I believe. Uh, I think he had like a 75 PSF grade or – oh, no, no, I'll take that back. It was a uh, – I think it was like 70 
that was a passer rating that that he had on on, on uh, his, his his coverage last year. So not a you know not you know great, but definitely not bad. And, you know, he's a veteran presence that that could help. But again, they already said they're going to young guys. You know, so watch now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm just trying to think of anybody else that 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 was recently cut. No. No, 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 and I think that's it. But, I, but what I do love is that is that the the Jets are being super proactive. They're feeling a lot of needs. But I think that um, what I do like is that you know they're putting all the trust into the young guys. And I think that they're really going to go. <clears throat> sorry, they're really going to go with the the teaching aspect and the defense. They're going to take some lumps this year. Um, let me ask. Uh, I'm gonna just throw this question out here. So, what do you guys think about how Robert Sala is coached? Uh, what do you think about his press conferences? We've watched a little bit of one Jets drive. What's what? What's the feeling? What What do you like most about Robert Sally, and what are some of your concerns, Matt? Uh, I just like how he really relates to the guys. He really tries to pump them up, but he also knows, like, he knows every position group. It's not like he's emphasizing just one position group. He just knows everything, and he's really is doing what he said or what they said he was going to do is take a CEO, you know, approach. I mean, watching one Jets drive, you're watching Ulbrich run the defense. You're watching LaFleur run the offense, and you're watching Sala on both ends of the thing. Not only is he, you know, building rapport and relationships with the with the defensive guys just because that's what he's familiar with, he's building rapport with the offensive guys. And even you see it in, in you know, the stuff that the, the Jets put on, uh, you know, Instagram and stuff like that, where they're showing the little snippets of him going up to players, Zach Wilson, you know, all these guys, and, and, and actually trying to understand, you know, the entirety of the offense. Not that he doesn't understand it, but, you know, obviously coming from a defensive background, you know, as the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, maybe he's not as familiar with certain concepts that they're, you know, running on the offense and, and, and whatnot. But, yeah, no, I, I think that that's probably the biggest thing with him is just the players, are gonna, he's going to get the most out of the players and the players are going to give him the most that they can. And I think that we're going to see that. And I think that maybe that's why they trust the CB room the way they do is because they're trusting that these are guys we brought in, we drafted, and we're going to see what they got. And we're going to give them the first crack at it. And they believe in, in, in these guys. So without a doubt, I think that, you know, that's his, his best attribute. And to be honest with you, I don't have any concerns with the way he coached from anything I've seen so far. I mean, in-game situations are, you know, different than, than practice. So if, if he's, you know, running around throwing the challenge flag willy-nilly without actually, you know, looking at the play, okay, maybe that's a concern, but I don't, or maybe he's mismanaging timeouts like uh, Todd Bowles did. Stuff like that, that's kind of seen through the game, but we haven't seen a live game yet. So I think the first week of the pre, I'm um, sorry, the first week of the, the, the actual season will we'll have an understanding of, you know, maybe where he struggles as a coach and maybe where, you know, he, he excels, you know, as far as, you know, live game. Um, I'm going to just say this real quick. I, I just, I just, when I see him listen to him and watch him interact with players, he is a leader of men and he is a teacher and he allows those men to be men. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not, He's not, you know, handling them any type of way. He, he gives and he gets respect, and you can see it. And the players are like a brick wall for him. Um, as far as words, I am going to say we tabled that part until midseason. Like I, I want to see, you know, him in, in pressure situations, um, in, in various parts of the game, like Matt said, how, how does he handle timeouts? You know, how does he handle second-half adjustments? 
because we, we, you know, we not used to just the last two coaches. They don't, they didn't know what the hell that was. So, you know, things like that that we haven't seen. I want to see those things before I say, okay, I feel like he's just dismissed or whatever. So, I'm, I'm gonna hold my thoughts on that until at least week nine or ten when I see him in that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to tell with the preseason. I do love that uh, CK, like you said, them coming back and, you know, tying it up and how everybody and how, how it was just important to the guys. And they were talking about it in one stretch drive, how uh, he, he thanked the guys for playing that hard. Um, I, I thought it was great. Uh, it, it really was. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, yeah, man, that, that, that's pretty much uh, about it. It's gonna be. It's gonna suck that uh, that there's not an opening game happening today, but it'll definitely be good to see what what Salah does. I think the main thing that we have to see is adjustments. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. One thing that did bother me is that I don't think that the adjustments were quick enough when they were getting shredded by the run. I mean, I didn't see that many adjustments. Now, now granted, it was just a bunch of you guys that that aren't gonna be playing, but I'm definitely gonna be looking forward to seeing how how he adjusts defensively because they're, 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 it is going to be tough for them, I feel. But, yeah, man, do you guys have anything else to add? Uh, not not really. Congrats to Matt Amendola on winning the kicking job and actually doing it in a convincing fashion and not just winning it because we had no better option. I think that he really uh, showed out in the preseason, and you can see that he has all the leg in the world. So congratulations to him. Braden Mann, uh, you know, just kind of, I guess, a special team shout-out. Braden Mann has looked nothing short of a future Pro Bowl kicker uh, with that leg. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited. We're only uh, a, week, a little over, what, a week and a half, you know, out. And, uh, yeah, can't wait. Uh, honestly, man, you know, I really don't have anything. Like, we, we pretty much touched on uh, everything. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, to the next episode we can – uh, put together, you know, what, what we think will be uh, happening in the first week of the, of, of the season. So I'm just looking forward to that, man. I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm tired of waiting. I'm ready to see this, this finished slash unfinished product on the field. So let's go. Definitely, man. I think this is this is uh, definitely an exciting time. This is year. I mean, personally, yeah, I consider this year one of like the full rebuild because last year was just kind of like a, a purgatory season. So this is year one of the, the Joe Douglas, Robert Sala rebuild and the rebranding of the Jets. So I, I think that the coach is being built properly. So it's the only way to go from here. So as always, guys, thanks for rocking with us. On behalf of Matt, TK, this is Amari with the Flight Deck Podcast. This has been episode 33. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.